Welcome to This is Democracy on the Road. Discussions and interactions across the world. This summer, we're going to take our discussions uh, far away from Austin, Texas, as we meet with and talk to uh, exciting people uh, around the world. Hello, and welcome to this new episode of This is Democracy. Today, in this enchanting city of Barcelona, we are discussing George Orwell's 1938 memoir, Homage to Catalonia, and its account of the Spanish Civil War, in particular from this city. I'm Zachary Surrey, and I'm sitting here now with Professor Jeremy Surrey. So, Jeremy, you and I have both recently reread uh, Homage to Catalonia and its account of the Civil War here in Spain. Uh, could you describe for our listeners a, what the Spanish Civil War was really about and the major events of the time? Yes. Uh, thank you, Zachary. George Orwell's 1938 nonfiction account of his own participation uh, in the Spanish Civil War is one of the most read works uh, in the world today. It's been read for more than 70 years since he published it. And what Orwell recounts in this work of nonfiction is the battle between fascist forces uh, of General Franco in Spain and a collection of what were called Republican forces at the time. These Republican forces included communists, socialists, anarchists, labor unionists, liberal Democrats, and many others. Orwell was one of many, many figures, uh, including Ernest Hemingway from the United States, uh, Gertrude Stein, and many others, many other figures who came to Spain to fight on the side of what they thought was a Republican, a left-leaning, a socialist alternative to the rising tide of fascism that they had witnessed in Germany, in Italy, and elsewhere. And the Spanish Civil War for Orwell was a great, bitter missed opportunity. That's what he describes in the homage to Catalonia. Uh, the opportunity for these left forces to turn back fascism, as he says at one point, a chance to win a victory after so many fascist victories. Uh, but yet the forces on the left that Orwell describes were unable to organize themselves. They were unable to attract enough international support, particularly from the United States. And they were uh, sold out by the Soviet Union and other forces that did not want to see non-communist groups come to power in Spain. In the end, as uh, Orwell bitterly describes, the forces of Franco, the fascist forces, were able to take control of Spain. And in taking control of Spain, uh, they really made one more step toward, toward what we all recognize as the beginning of World War II, the efforts by fascist forces to control all of Europe. So, Jeremy, could you describe for us uh, maybe in a little more detail how these events played out in particular here in Barcelona and, and how they were really important for the Civil War as a whole? Yes, Barcelona was one of many uh, key battlefield sites during the Spanish Civil War. The uh, city of Zaragoza, about two hours by car today outside of Barcelona, another city that we visited on this trip, uh, was a site of uh, actual um, trench warfare between fascist and non-fascist forces. Barcelona, as the, the capital of Catalonia, was one of the real centers of uh, left-wing labor, socialist, communist, anarchist mobilization. It was a city really under the control of the left. It was the great hope in many ways of an anti-fascist alternative. And Barcelona fell apart 
uh, as Orwell describes, fell into street fighting, largely because the left forces themselves started fighting with one another. For a time, Orwell describes in homage to Catalonia, uh, different forces on the left firing upon one another. And the collapse of uh, the left-wing forces in Barcelona allowed the fascist forces eventually to take control of what was one of the last strongholds of the anti-fascist resistance in Spain. Yes, and part of the problem of the uh, left-wing parties in Spain was that there were so many of them. There were so many factions. Reading homage to Catalonia is like an alphabet soup. There are so many abbreviations. It, it is impossible to follow which parties are which. And, and so how did this sort of factionalism and regionalism that in many ways is embedded in this Spanish society, how is that, how did that play a role in the collapse of the left resistance? Great question. It's one of the eternal challenges of democracy that Orwell wrote about, not only in Homage to Catalonia, but in so many of his other books and essays. Uh, Spain, as you said so intelligently, Zachary, is composed of regions regions that not only have their own separate histories, their own separate languages, their own separate cultures. You know that you notice that just driving from Catalonia through Aragon into the Basque country. Uh, these are distinct historical areas. And a democratic uh, party or a democratic movement seeks to draw on those differences, seeks to bring those pluralistic forces together. But that's always very difficult. A militaristic force, uh, what Orwell describes in dystopian terms in 1984, his big brother, uh, a militaristic totalitarian force uh, doesn't have those problems because it doesn't seek to bring groups together consensually. It seeks to force them and intimidate them into unification. And so Franco's forces in Spain for Orwell were a first run at totalitarianism. They were forces that were not trying to uh, draw on the different histories of the different regions but instead to force the regions to all act together under some militaristic leadership, whereas the left forces that Orwell and Hemingway and others supported, uh, they were composed of pluralistic groups with very many differences, and as a consequence, it was much harder for them to unify. Uh, Orwell's insight, and it's an important insight for us to think about today, is that democracy highlights differences, which is good from a moral point of view, but it makes uh, political union and cooperation more difficult. It doesn't mean that it's, it's impossible, but it makes it much more difficult. And the, the forces and the collapse of the forces on the left in Orwell's homage to Catalonia uh, is, is exhibit A of that difficulty. So what role did the United States and what would become the allies uh, the Allied Front of World War II, what role did they play in the Spanish Civil War? So one of the great uh, insights from Orwell's homage to Catalonia is how many Americans and English citizens like Orwell are involved with the Spanish Civil War, but how uninvolved the U.S. government and the British government are. The United States and Great Britain, uh, as Orwell says at the end of homage to Catalonia, were sleeping. They were sleeping through this history. They were not involved. The Soviet Union was actively involved supporting communist forces and then actually collaborating with the fascists. But the United States and the Soviet Union were uninvolved. And Amish to Catalonia also stands as one of the first nonfiction works criticizing American isolationism and anticipating that American isolationism in particular would contribute to worse warfare thereafter. Those after World War II who are critical of the United States for being uninvolved in Europe in the 1930s. Individuals like George Kennan, 
uh, who's the author of Containment, John Foster Dulles, Dean Acheson, major foreign policy figures in the United States, John F. Kennedy, who writes his undergraduate thesis on this topic. Uh, they see homage to Catalonia as an early warning of the problems of appeasement and non-involvement in areas of the world that are undergoing violent revolution and civil war, uh, similar to what we see in places like uh, Syria today. When we talk about World War II, we often forget uh, it's almost aperitif of the Spanish Civil War. Uh, in many ways, the Spanish Civil War was the beginning of World War II. Could you speak a little bit more to that and, and what role specifically the Spanish Civil War had in the onslaught of World War II? It's a great question. Uh, we have to be careful about being uh, teleological or determinist. Uh, many scholars would say that the Spanish Civil War was not necessarily uh, a, a lead into World War II. But the continuities are important in two areas. There's no doubt that the Spanish Civil War gave the fascist forces that were already in control of Germany and Italy in Europe, and fascist forces operating outside of Europe, uh, gave them more support and more of a sense of inevitability in their own victory. So it emboldened uh, Hitler and Mussolini and others. And second, the Spanish Civil War upped the level of violence that was uh, normalized in politics. Uh, Franco's forces, with the support of air and ground forces from uh, Germany and Italy, uh, conducted uh, massive attacks on civilians. Uh, we will talk about this in our next episode on Guernica, uh, where uh, you have actual fascist air forces bombing civilians uh, for one of the first times. Uh, and the level of violence conducted in, on behalf of fascist forces was more than had been seen in, in at least a while in Europe. World War I was, of course, a very violent conflict, but it was not a conflict largely fought against civilians. The Spanish Civil War used uh, massive modern violence against civilian populations. And unfortunately, and this is a point made by many military historians, by Michael Howard and many others, uh, the distinction between civilians and combatants uh, broke down in the Spanish Civil War, and it became more acceptable to use massive military force against civilians than it ever had been uh, before. And this is the beginning, some would argue, of the aerial bombardment, the um, use of massive military uh, air force against um, population, civilian populations in places like Dresden, Coventry, and elsewhere during World War II. So what... what um... What, what was the influence of the Spanish Civil War uh, and, and the violence and uh, utter destruction that it wrought? Um, what influence did it have on the many uh, artists and writers who were there at the time? And how did it really bring forth the, um, the future artistic and literary world of Europe? Well, this is a really important part of things, and it's how the world has changed in the last 20 to 30 years. From 1938 really until the late 1970s and 80s, and, and perhaps even until 2000, the Spanish Civil War was a central cultural moment in Western society, uh, immortalized in paintings by Picasso, uh, literary works not just by George Orwell, but Ernest Hemingway and many others, uh, the poetry of T.S. Eliot and many others. It, it was a central moment, a central cultural experience because so many artists had become disillusioned in what they saw as traditional liberal values. Not by the experience of World War I, they were too young for that, but by the experience of the Spanish Civil War. 
Uh, you can't understand Ernest Hemingway's uh, somewhat jaded view of Western society without understanding the Spanish Civil War. So it was a central cultural moment and a cultural moment that was recreated in the teaching of literature as well as history. That's changed in the last 20 to 30 years. There isn't the same consciousness about the Spanish Civil War among a younger generation. And, and, and that's interesting. There are lessons that shouldn't be lost as, as perhaps we become less obsessed with this moment. Uh, there's also been an intentional silencing. One thing we've witnessed in, in our visit to Barcelona is how little uh, Spanish government museums that we have visited, historical museums, how little they talk about the Spanish Civil War. Um, that's largely because uh, many Spanish citizens today don't want to acknowledge their own collaboration with the fascists, the fascist government that was in control of Spain from the late 1930s until 1975 when Franco died. Uh, the, the history of post-war Spain is a history of fascism, not a history of anti-fascism. So we, we often talk about this, and this is democracy, uh, about the fact that many countries that uh, now are democracies have really had a struggle to find democracy. What was this struggle that Spain went through after the Spanish Civil War, after Franco came to power? Well, this is why studying this history is so important. Uh, you can look at Spain today and think it's like Germany and having this post-World War II experience, at least in Western Germany, of democratization. That was not the case in Spain. Franco's regime was not overthrown during World War II, uh, in large part because the battles were not fought in Spain. And at the end of the war, the United States did not want to have to put the effort into unseating Franco. And uh, we were concerned that if Franco were unseated, in fact, the communists or socialists would take control. So Franco looked to the United States like a soft fascist, a soft authoritarian alternative to communism or civil war. And so Spain uh, went through uh, three and a half decades after World War II of continued authoritarian rule. That was not totalitarian or repressive but it certainly involved um, limitations on freedom, limitations on freedom of the press, and the absence of basic constitutional democratic procedures. It's only after 1975 that Spain uh, moves toward democracy. It's interesting to remember, therefore, that the United States was, in a sense, a participant in propping up uh, a soft fascist, soft authoritarian regime in Spain uh, for at least uh, 30 years after World War II. And also Franco perpetuated mass violence, the sort of killing that had not been seen before World War II that uh, later became the norm in, in countries uh, like uh, Argentina and Brazil that went through their own military dictatorships. Yes, uh, one could argue that Franco's uh, persistence after World War II and American support for Franco uh, contributed to authoritarianism in other, especially Spanish-speaking countries in Latin America. Franco's regime was less violent than Pinochet's in the, in the post-war period in Chile and less violent than the Argentine dictatorship uh, after World War II. But Franco's regime was violent. Dis dissent was repressed in Spain. Uh, and uh, Catholicism was enforced in many ways as a state religion. Um, there were a lot of uh, limitations on democracy. And there was what, again, we would call uh, a, a violent... Uh, restriction on free press and free speech in Spain that really existed until the 1970s. So we really talked a lot about the, uh, the, the cultural and political legacies of the Spanish Civil War, and particularly 
from the point of view of George Orwell. And I think it's a really important point to emphasize that the Spanish Civil War and the events of World War II had such a strong influence on the creation of the world order after World War II. The Spanish Civil War helped create uh, a, a situation where the United States felt that it needed to intervene more because of the mistakes it had made in the Spanish Civil War, in some ways a point that was overemphasized during the Cold War. Yes, I think uh, this is a really important point uh, for us to close on once we think about lessons. Um, the lessons are not clear. It certainly, reading Orwell becomes evident that the absence of American and English support for democratic forces in Spain contributed to the victory of the fascists. But the uh, opposite, uh, interventionism would not necessarily have made things better. One of the real dilemmas and one of the reasons to study the Spanish Civil War is because civil wars are all too frequent in our, in our world today. And uh, influencing civil wars, where you have multiple factions and multiple groups fighting, influencing civil wars from afar in a way that supports democratic forces is something that the United States must be involved in doing, but also something that's very, very difficult. So uh, this history should encourage uh, idealism and humility and encourage a younger generation to think more creatively. Uh, you read Orwell and it's clear that doing nothing in a place like Syria is uh, morally reprehensible. But uh, the history of the period after World War II and interventions in places like Vietnam and Iraq by the United States also makes it quite clear that intervening with military force um, out of moral self-righteousness is often counterproductive. So finding the right balance, finding the right tools, that's the central question for us. And it's, a, it's an open space for young creative minds, I think, to make a contribution to American foreign policy. And, and what makes the Spanish Civil War so fascinating is that there are no clear answers. There is not, in, in essence, any clear lesson that we need to learn. And that's really what makes it so fascinating for people like George Orwell, is that you can learn, you can take so many things from it. We can learn so much in many different directions from it. And that's really what we've tried to explore today on This Is Democracy. And that's why this is democracy. This is This is Democracy, signing off from Barcelona. This podcast is produced by the Liberal Arts Development Studio and the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. The music in this episode was written and recorded by Harrison Lemke, and you can find his music at harrisonlemke.com. Subscribe and stay tuned for a new episode every Thursday featuring new perspectives on democracy.